Welcome to the ProcureTech Podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, a very warm welcome to a special edition of the ProcureTech podcast this week. This episode is a series of live interviews that I did back in June when I attended Procurement Summit in Hamburg, Germany. This episode is the first in a series of two. This one covers the interviews that I did with uh, various different startups that I interviewed in my VW camper van that I had on the exhibition floor at Procurement Summit that we improvised into a podcast studio. And then the next episode, which will air in two weeks time, is actually interviewing some of the delegates that are procurement professionals and practitioners, talking to them about their digitization journey. So without any further ado, let's crack on because we've actually got eight interviews to get through on this episode. It's going to be quite a long one compared to our regular episodes. And first up is my interview with Roman Fayol. He is founder and CEO of Holosen. They are a startup that optimizes and automates logistics processes for cross-border supply chain. And as I touch on in the interview, this has traditionally been a very manual process. Automation and visibility in this space is much needed, and it's great to come across some innovation for this topic. So roll the interview. And we are live again with another interview. And this one is with Roman Fayol, who is founder and CEO of Holosen. And Holosen optimizes and automates uh, logistical processes. And as a former logistics procurement category manager, I very much feel for this problem because everything used to be done on paper. We were constantly chasing paperwork around from shipping lines and from customs clearing agents. And it was just constantly a paper trail to and fro with all of this. So uh, Roman, welcome to the show, first of all. Yeah, James. Yeah. First of all, thank you for the invitation. I'm very enthusiastic about our discussion today. Thank you for the introduction about Holocene as well. Like indeed, we, we hyper automate logistics processes related to cross-border supply chain. What is interesting is cross-border, like to go from one country to another country. And I'm very happy, uh, I'm very sad that you experienced the pain in the past, but I'm very happy that we are helping today professionals that are doing today the, the responsibilities you got in the past. So walk me through it a little bit then. You know, I know the paper trail and how it goes from a paperwork perspective, but how would that then be automated? What is it specifically that your technology enables? Yes, actually, this uh, workflow uh, is still today in many organizations uh, manual and repetitive simply because we didn't get like the technology to optimize, digitize, automate it. Like 
day we can leverage technologies like machine learning, artificial intelligence. Uh, those technologies were like kind of the monopole of the GAFAM, you know, like 10 days, uh, 10 years ago, five years ago. And now we have more and more engineers going for universities or learning them by themselves. And we can leverage technologies to new fields, including logistics and supply chain. And in Holocene, we are very enthusiastic to leverage those technologies in order to, to help professionals uh, like you in your, in your past organizations. And how we do it is, uh, is simply, first, we are very problem-oriented. So we are watching out what are the challenges that import coordinators, specialists, or procurement leaders or global supply chain leaders have. And then we find a solution thanks to technologies. And we figured out that in imports, uh, like specialists or coordinators, they do those manual and repetitive tasks. And now we are able to, yeah, to help them to extract the documents, to scan them, to extract data, check the data, to communicate in a smarter way and not a harder way with all the stakeholders. You mentioned them, customs, uh, yeah. suppliers, customers. And so this is why we bring on the table right, with new technologies. So how do you manage that then with the, because I guess this requires some sort of integration with third-party logistics companies and with custom brokers. So, I mean, there are so many of them. How, how do you typically, walk me through the journey of how the customer would typically get them on board to use a solution like that? Or, or do they maybe not even need to? Yeah, so actually, um, we, we aim, we, our ideal, our scenario would be to be a plug and play solution. Uh, but this is kind of marketing trick, you know, in the end, you still need to collaborate with, with the people you help to understand what yeah. they do, then to talk with the IT team to clear data privacy and security and so on. So we are not a, a plain place solution, so to say, but we have eased our customer journey and the integration is uh, very little. Actually, we, we work mainly with emails, but for, uh, experience, enhanced experience, we can integrate with the various ERPs, uh, the major one, but we can develop integrators with the in-house uh, ERPs, and then we can communicate with other stakeholders via different means like uh, EDI, API, in order to be the single window tool for import coordinators, specialists, and for the procurement leaders. Uh, give me an example of typically then where it would save time or where it would cut down on the paperwork. Oh, yes. So actually, we have a, a nice uh, nice metric with our uh, customers of today. What they are doing in days, we do it in minutes. Okay. It's an aggressive automation. It's hyper automation. And they begin with the purchase order, for example. So they send it to, to their, to their suppliers and then they receive uh, all the documents and we are able to extract documents, check documents, extract the data, check the data, automatically connect with the forwarders, carriers, customers in order to, to take the data from there. And by leveraging those data, transforming them into insights. We are able as well to identify if there are risks of delays, of penalties, why the goods are coming to, to your sites, to your location. So it's a, it's a very handful kind of a digital assistance for you as an import specialist or import coordinator. So you save tremendous time, precious time on your admin task. And then you can focus on analytics, problem solving or one on one, like facing your suppliers for waters for higher added value tasks. Got it. So the time saving then is typically in the import-export, the, the, the team that manages the import-export process rather than procurement specifically. It's mainly, it's mainly around shipping coordinators, import-export teams. Exactly. So it depends on the responsibilities, how the job positions are named in every organization. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, but we, we, we are helping like a, 
a wide uh, portfolio of, of professionals uh, because uh, we save them time, but we enhance the quality of those tasks so the efficiency is improved. And then what's interesting is that we manage like cross-border operations. So we are able as well to track new or modified trade and custom policies. So we are safeguarding the interests of organizations if something is changing and that could like impact negatively their organizations. They, they know it as soon as possible. So they are not reactive. Yeah. They become proactive to any disruptions uh, that they may face in the future, similar to the past ones, like Brexit or like a cargo blocked in a, in a, in a canal. Things happen like every day in, in global supply chain. It's, it's crazy. And then for leaders in, in, uh, with a decision-making position, they have more visibility, transparency, and accountability thanks to the data we transform into insights and practical ads. That's perfect. So, Roman, thank you very much for joining me. Wishing you successful rest of your summit. And uh, definitely, if I still, still ever have chats with my old colleagues in uh, logistics and import and export, I'll definitely send them your way. Thank thanks you. very much for the invite. Have a good summit as well. Okay, next up is Christoph Noll, CEO of Beneering. We often get frustrated as procurement professionals about how incumbent ERP systems are pretty inflexible and complicated, and they're not very easy to use because of their front-end interface and the vast array of features that they have. But let's face it, the reality is that companies aren't just going to abandon them overnight because complete businesses are run off of these systems. So this conversation looks at how Beneering as a solution is making life easy with an intuitive front end for users that seamlessly works in tandem with a native SAP environment, which as anyone who's lived and worked in a German-speaking country knows, SAP pretty much has a monopoly uh, in that market. So this is... Definitely, I think, a much-needed piece of software to tackle with some of these front-end issues. So, roll the interview again. Okay, and now we're back with, an, uh, with another interview, and I'm joined now by Christoph Noll from Beneering. And we were just talking before we hit record. This is a really cool solution in the sense that every business that uses SAP probably isn't getting the most from it. And especially in procurement, we often complain and moan about how inflexible and unuser-friendly SAP is, but also that it's a necessary evil in terms of running the rest of the business. And especially in Europe, particularly in German-speaking countries, they pretty much have a monopoly on most businesses in terms of the ERP system that they're using. So Christoph's company have invented some cool tech that just really makes the whole process more user-friendly without having to then shovel data from one system to the next and just makes that integration that much easier. more, Even more simple, as Christoph was explaining, I'll let him do it, than you know, SAP software itself that does procurement stuff, which we all know who they are. So Christoph, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, Jess, many, many thanks to welcome me here. And it was a great introduction. So I think you, you have summarized already our discussion quite well right now. Oh, so we can go have a cup of tea instead. <laughs> no. So... I mean, who is typically, maybe just give a very quick overview of what I maybe didn't touch on in terms of some of the advantage points over, you know, other pro- procurement software that doesn't have such a deep integration with SAP as an ERP system. And then perhaps you can walk through some, some examples because it's more for tactical and operational rather than strategic procurement, right? Yeah, exactly. So 
actually when we started uh, to to build our software, I mean, it was clear that from the beginning it was we started thinking about cloud in 2010 and we launched Veneering Cloud first time in 2013. And uh, it, it was clear that we are going in the direction of procurement. We started with catalogs only. And uh, we were, from the beginning, we had um, 95% of our customers were SAP customers. And also my history is also deep in SAP uh, inside because I was also employed uh, for six, seven years at SAP. That's where, where I learned a lot from them. And finally, when we started thinking about cloud and we have seen all the players, also Ariba was on the market and others, we started thinking, come on, it's not possible to, to start building the software again from scratch. So why are we not taking the benefit from, from SAP uh, to take this robust system, which is already there since, since ages, since 20, uh, 30, 40 years? Why don't we integrate our cloud uh, into that system that is already there without rebuilding it? And I think this was the key message or the, this is the, the key message that we are not rebuilding functionality that is in SAP, but we are building a front end uh, to that subsystem, which is running anyway, because the customers you have mentioned before, James, uh, they are operating SAP anyway. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we often in procurement criticize SAP because it's quite rigid, but the main problem is it's just a, it's more of a front-end problem, really. The functionality in terms of what it can do is fantastic, right? I mean, it's a, it's a very expensive, very detailed, very deeply engineered piece of software that runs a whole organization. It's just not very user-friendly on the front end, and it's not particularly intuitive how you access different features. So I think being able to access that functionality of SAP, but making it easier for the stakeholder, not just in procurement, but when someone, you know, the classic transactional purchasing, someone wants to buy something from a catalog or has a one-time buy, getting compliance in SAP is tricky because user experience if you're using it in its raw form, is so bad. So, you know, walk me through maybe an example of how you've managed to cut Maverick spend or increase compliance. Yeah, so in, in fact, there are two two aspects. You have mentioned one, which is the usability, right? So the customers wanted to have some nice front end, not to to dig into the SAP GUI and to work with the with the old friend uh, front end. The the other aspect is um, also the uh, collaboration on the on the internet. So connecting in ecosystem different different parties. You know. So today, when you are doing procurement, it's not that you are just uh, buying your stuff from one supplier. You need catalogs. You are connecting several suppliers. You are connecting marketplaces. Uh, you need a big community that you are connecting. And SAP systems typically they are they are behind the firewall in the in the environment of that company. So you cannot access it from outside. So this is the second aspect. It, the one is to, to give the front end. And the second one is also to open it to the internet for collaboration between suppliers, marketplaces, and really in a, in a big ecosystem. So these are the two aspects. And now to, to answer your question, in, in fact, we had to guide the user also through the, uh, through the process of, of purchasing. And you know, when the user is starting to, to buy something, he's doing like he's doing in Google. So that's, that's the, First challenge, you have to start with a search engine where user is typing in what he wants. And then in best case, even right now today with support of AI technology, uh, the user is, is guided to the right channel. And the channel, it can be, it will propose you, okay, this item you have to buy from Amazon or this item you can buy from that supplier because this is delivering only this, this uh, goods. Uh, there could be also price comparison that is supporting you so that you get best price offered. 
and there are also cases where you are also taking items from the warehouse th that is in your in your SAP system. So it's even not connecting suppliers outside, but it's uh, you, you're buying or taking items from the warehouse. So this is all what the what the engine at the beginning and the front end must support you. And there is also another use case where you are buying um, services like uh, cleaning, and there is nothing for cleaning in the in the in the catalog. So you you are also starting with kind of contract-based pretext order. So you specify that you want to have this room cleaned and, and this room cleaned. And this is all about this guidance where we are in place. So we are guiding the user to different procurement channels. So marketplace, pretext, and all this stuff. Got it. And pretext purchase orders usually are a bit of a nightmare for procurement in terms of understanding what it is that's actually being purchased, right? Because if someone puts on their purchase order according to, quote, ABC123, then that's useless to me if I'm trying to understand what I'm buying. So does it also sort of fix that problem and, and give a taxonomy or give some sort of material yeah, grouping? It, or? It, it, it's fixing the problem because uh, with the search engine, we can guide the user to a specific category. For example, to say uh, he's looking for cleaning services. So our engine will propose, okay, you, you want to buy cleaning services. And finally, you can also have contracts with your, uh, contracts with your suppliers for cleaning that building that are proposed to you. And these contracts could be also negotiated in a way that uh, if you're buying now cleaning services below a threshold, let's take an example, 2,000 euros, uh, then you even bypass procurement. So it means you're, even though you're doing free text, but you're select, you are picking up a, a, a contract item finally, which is pre-negotiated with, with the supplier. And there can be uh, procurement rules which are saying, okay, below 2,000 euros, this will bypass procurement. So you immediately order it from, from, from the supplier. And this is also where you can right. automate and simplify uh, procurement. And cut down on a lot of unnecessary bureaucracy as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially there are so many transactions which are, which are going below 2,000, 5,000 euros. And if you can automate those with, with a new front-end solution and, and smart search engine, uh, then, then you also save a lot in, in manpower, right? You don't have to invest all this Absolutely. operational cost. Christoph, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. And I think this one, especially if you're stuck in an SAP system and you know that your business is not really going to change how they operate and you just want a front end that makes it all easier and faster, then uh, as again, with all of these startups, the links will be in the show notes. So uh, reach out to Christoph and learn more. Thank you very much, Christoph. Yeah. And wishing you a successful rest of your summit. Thanks. Thanks, James. The same to you. Thanks. Bye. I then got to speak to one of the industry stalwarts and one of the major sponsors of Procurement Summit. Uh, my conversation with Jan Hendrik Zorn, country manager for the DAC region at iValua, was a really interesting conversation and one that I actually very much enjoyed because even though despite I'm a huge fan of best of breed technology, it was really cool actually to get an understanding of how one of the established suites is positioning in itself in really such a rapidly changing market. And also to ask Jan Hendrik, where do they see their advantage and their USP over some of you know, what are becoming you know, pretty fiercely competitive space uh, in this segment? Okay, and we're back with our next interview. And normally on the ProcureTech podcast, we feature up-and-coming startups, but it's always good to mix it up and actually, one of the key sponsors here at Procurement Summit is Evalua. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to talk to uh, their country director for the German-speaking region, Jan Hendrik Zorn. So Jan Hendrik, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. 
And it's always good to be able to look at it from the other side of the coin. And it's a tough market right now, isn't it, Jan Hendrik, with all of the new startups coming in. And at the same time, you know, we just saw recently that the Cooper, who obviously is a competitor, let a lot of people go and are obviously finding it quite hard in the marketplace right now. So what do you do as one of the big established suites that are out there to really sort of distinguish distinguish yourselves from all of the new players coming onto the market and and just maintain relevance in such in such a crowded marketplace yeah. right now? Yeah. I think it all starts with Evalua being an extremely conservative company. So uh, there was just one year in the history of Evalua where we uh, do not make black figures. So we are financially stable. And I think the, the, the most expensive uh, provider you can use is the one which does not exist next year. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. is not possible with Iwalawa, yeah. So we are financially strong and that's where it all starts. And um, which we, we, we're trying to, before we invest something, we're trying to assess if it, if it really makes sense. So, yeah, we, we did not lay off any person during COVID. It's opposite. We, we grow over, over COVID time uh, a lot. When I started at Ivalua four years ago, we were something like 250 people. Today we are 900 and we are growing financially stable on it. So we have a lot of, I think one third of our employees in the development side. So we have roughly 300 developers working on making the platform even stronger and more stable. I think one of the criticisms of any of the, the, the big sort of complete end-to-end suites is that it takes a long time to implement. And you hear that time and again, and you know, with some of the startups that are more plug and play, you know, yes, they're not as comprehensive in everything that they cover, but you know, you can it's a bit of a cliche, but you know, digitalize within a day is not that far away from the truth and in the sense that some can be up and running in a couple of weeks. So what extent would you sort of counter that to say that long implementations are usually down to the fact that the customer doesn't really know what they want? And and then, you know, bearing in mind that that's the reality that you're going to have to live with, how do you overcome it? Yeah, so it's, um, first of all, uh, I, I need to say the suites you're talking about are, are usually, in my at least in my personal and private point of view, they are not really a platform. They're, they're usually bought 20 different solutions and plug them together. So in reality, you, you bought, even if you think you, you bought a platform, you bought 20 uh, startups or more, more or less grown-up companies. Branded that it, as something else. Branded <laughs> as something else with a nice UI on top. But the, the modules are not talking with each other. I, I, I like the startups and we are, com- we are working with a lot of startups uh, when it comes to delivering data, uh, in, in, in integrating them via API into the whole flow. But Evalua, Evalua is a, uh, from an architectural point of view, is, is like a BI system. It's it's one layer of of, uh, of database, and there's no single line of code which was not developed by Ivalua. Wow, so okay. it, so you have a full flow. I, I always tell my prospects if we got an invoice, you know uh, what was the PO, um, why did I sign the contract with this guy, and uh, why was the why was the supplier invited to participate in an RFP? So you have the full transparency, and then we're working a lot with the startups to integrate their additional value that they can deliver. Yeah? But everything happens on the same platform. And that takes time. And that, that will open up more value because you have full transparency on one system. You don't need to, to open 10 different solutions to get everything. And that, take, that takes time, yes. Uh, so maybe more, more than just a plug and play. And often we need to stop 
uh, customers um, that they don't over-engineer it, but that's one of our uh, uh, main jobs uh, to stop them from over-engineering. We are involved in each and every implementation project, even if projects are usually done by partners. But we have always our stake to review the blueprints and say, okay, guys, nice idea to make it purple and blue blinking. No, purple is okay, but don't over-engineer it. And this is uh, something which is absolutely needed. So choosing the right implementation partner, but also having maintaining a strong connection to each customer that's implementing it is important during that journey, not to have just some customer service ticketing system during an implementation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's a question we you always need to, we always need to consider what is the best fitting uh, implementation partner from various dimensions. Uh, it's a cultural thing. It's uh, where are they today? Uh, what is their mindset? What what is their history? What have they done? Do they need how much change management? Do they need how much how much real consulting work do they need? Is it's also dep- depending on the budget which is there. Yeah, but for sure you can invest a lot you know, with creating uh, no value. But uh, uh, you need to do to need it. You need to wrap it correctly and, and and map it and find the right way to set up the projects yeah, with a fitting partner. And we are working with big brands, uh, all the all the big implementation partners, SIs are working with us. But we also have for the for the smaller companies which don't look to that much to change management, which don't that much look too much to the processes around, which are boutique partners, which really central which are focused on which are focused on doing the configurations and not the processes around kind of each and every customer is different yeah and finally i mean you've been in this industry a long time you said 23 years and you know i've been in procurement right now being corporate now in the in what i do for for over 20 where do you see this journey going with the with the market-based model now with having something like an iValuer or leader competitor as a platform and then and then plugging in through APIs, you know, additional solutions that that do something very niche specific. Do you think that's the future? Uh, I think the platforms need to be open to get all these valuable so- solutions included into the platform. Uh, so all these startups have, have can really provide value. Well, um, the, the only question is where do I assess that value? And the, in my view, it's it, it it's uh, in the future it will be one. Let's say. Spider in the net, which potentially, hopefully, Evalua, but then supported by a lot of additional sources. The main thing is everything needs to end up in the same database. You need to be able to report on everything. And uh, if you need to access an Excel document or something from a startup and these these things are not talking with each other, then you're lost. Uh, you need to have one central intelligence. Single source of truth, yeah. absolutely. Okay, it's been a pleasure. Jan Hendrik, thank you for joining me and wishing you a successful rest of the show. Thank you so much, Chips. I then got to speak to one of the industry stalwarts and one of the major sponsors of Procurement Summit. Uh, Jan Hendrik Sohn, country manager for DACH, that's Germany, Austria and Switzerland, at iValua, uh, is my next interview. And even though I'm a huge fan of best of breed tech, this was actually a conversation that I really enjoyed. It was really cool, actually, to get an understanding of how one of the established suites is positioning itself in such a rapidly changing market. And really to ask Jan where he sees iValue as advantage and USP over some of their very fierce 
And we're back. And this time I'm joined by Eberhard Aust from ebid to pay And ebid to pay is a complete source-to-pay, source-to-contract solution for mid-market businesses. And here at Procurement Software, we are also a partner of ebid to pay So feel free to reach out to me if you'd like to know a little bit more uh, about the platform. But we're just going to cover off a few common topics on why the mid-market is quite a special case and some of the challenges and advantages of being a procurement tech company that particularly serves this segment. So Eberhard, very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, James. Um, and um, especially in Germany, you know, the mid-market is really, really important. It's actually those enterprises who made the name for Germany. And the truth is, those enterprises, they have less resources, but need to be so much more creative and uh, do so much more per person that in the end, um, it's, it's quite a challenge. Everybody's so busy um, that they do not even have time uh, to, to get some help. So the first challenge might be um, really, really to, to understand. You need to invest a bit of time, but then you can save so much. Um, and working for the Mittelstand, it's sometimes more exciting than working for um, for large corporations because procurement people, they have to do everything. They have to do direct materials. They have to do services. They have to do indirect plus uh, do the last pet project of the CEO. And um, here, in a way, with this kind of challenge, we've built ebit to pay So, um, you know, um, I want a system where you click a button and from the PLM system, it creates automatically the cost breakdown. Uh, well, obviously, I need a drawing update. Obviously, I need to the system automatically to split from the PLM bill of materials this into multiple RFQs. So, you know, that's the middle stand. That's the German middle stand. And the funny thing is, because they are so innovative, they have so many challenges. We've actually built uh, a great software, which probably without the middle stand, we've never, never would have done. And that's a, uh, that's a really interesting take on, you know, learning with your customers and understanding what problems they have because there are a lot of softwares out there now that, that sort of serve this marketplace, but they're usually very much best of breed on one very specific problem. You know, you've got e-sourcing uh, for, for mid-sized businesses. You've got contract management for mid-sized businesses. You've got catalog purchasing for mid-sized businesses. But there are not many people out there. In fact, you want to be one of, one of the only ones that brings that into a very, very comprehensive suite that pretty much does everything that you would need to do as a mid-sized business. I mean, there's always the, the odd one or thing that you might need to go out and do best of breed. But one of the things that impressed me when I looked at demo, at the demo and one of the reasons why I wanted to come on board as a partner was just the sheer amount of things that, that the software can do, you know, it packs a pretty big punch for the, for the price point. So talk me through maybe, whereas in an enterprise organization, procurement teams typically will understand why they need to digitize. Is that more of a challenge in the mid-market that you get people that are very set in their ways, that have been in the same job for 15, 20 years, that just don't understand it? Do you have to you know, do that a little bit ahead of, of selling the product? You have to make them understand why they have a problem? Uh, it depends. Essentially, um, it's actually the young digital natives which are taking control also of the mid-market. And that's a, okay. a fantastic advantage because, uh, you know, they're looking for this magic kit where you press a button just like your iPhone and it does the thing you want. And the expectations are to be on the level of uh, consumer products. 
And um, especially now with new stuff coming along, like AI. Um, so for instance, it's very normal for a mid-market company to say, yep, but obviously I want um, that if I create a new contract, the system automatically detects the supplier risks, suggests me some clauses, and, you know, gets, gets me a draft, which maybe I fine-tune, but it should, you know, have some intelligence in it. And uh, similarly, well, they expect, you know, you know it from every website, they expect configuration in the catalog management. It's not just, you know, taking a standard product, but rather that you can even configure the service, that you can, uh, that there is automatically the price sheets in a digital way. So coming back to your point, um, good news is that um, uh, it's digital natives that are taking control. It's young people. Uh, I've been doing that for 23 years, so they're very much my, my junior but it's great working with them and they come with the right attitude. Yesterday I had dinner uh, with somebody also working in the Mittelstand and he said, well, I shouldn't be saying it, but he's using a very famous ERP system. And he said, the real thing I want to, I'm completely convinced about is that I'm going to transform purchasing only outside the ERP. I've got to stop mm. the ERP. I need a web-based tool and otherwise everything is futile. So what can I say? Great people there. They're in a rush. They're in a hurry. Uh, but they're digital natives and, and they want it. They really want it. How price sensitive are they? Because that, you know, I, I, I know sort of how you, how you, how you pitch your product price wise compared to some of the bigger players. How much is that a, a killer, a deal breaker versus, you know, other things like user experience and speed of implementation? Uh, it depends a bit on country. So, um, the nice thing about Germany or Switzerland, where we work a lot is that, Nobody ever would buy a cheaper product just for the price. It's always the features. It's always the features. I want a great product. I'd rather not buy anything instead of going without something I really want. So quality is first. Um, and there's, you know, if you go a bit more south, um, it, it's really maybe sometimes um, in Italy or in Greece, we're finding that there's, there's really more a price consideration. But if you look at the northerly countries, you know, I'd rather not do anything instead of going for a not superior product. This being said, there, there's a natural point that you cannot pay um, very often seven digits figures uh, per year in subscription in the Mittelstand. It's the bigger ones that can do. And yesterday I, I met uh, uh, a competitor. He was very proud that he had a company paying an eight bigger subscription per year. <laughs> this being said, um, for the Mittelstand, it gets the, the Argentinian euros. Uh, with the middle stand, it's getting thinner air if it's um, there's a low value seven digits per year. And uh, I would say that's a moment where they, they have a really tougher time to lose a project because they're competing on the budget with other people. But the, the fundamental approach is really, I want a great software and they don't want to compromise. I want finally something that's helping me and that's, um, you know, delivering on the digital promise. And without having to run 10 different apps, because as well in mid-market companies, they, they don't have the IT resources and, and the integration capability usually to do that, right? So Absolutely. And th that's something, you know, there's also even sometimes some questions like, and can you do this? But surely there's no supplier management included. And, and can you do a category structure? Yes, you can. So, so, you know, sometimes there's still a bit of unbelief that you can really buy something which can do anything. But um, it's essentially, uh, you know, the sweet approach here, um, I believe, is saving down the line a lot of time and a lot of um, effort because, you know, it, if it's not perfectly matched, like there's release changes on one 
uh, tool, best of breed is getting a bit complex for, for the Mittelstand at least. Eberhard, it's been an absolute pleasure to learn more about what you're doing and your approach in terms of how you actually win clients and bring them on board. So yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. And keeping on the topic of source to pay, next up is Eberhard Aust. He is CEO of EBID to Pay. They are a niche provider of source to pay solutions for mid-market manufacturing business. And their software actually does a lot for its price points. They've been around a while, but are really focusing on offering a suite-like set of features, but at a price point that definitely doesn't require an enterprise software budget. So if you're a mid-market business and you don't perhaps want to deal with a bunch of different best-of-breed solutions, this could be a really interesting interview for you. Full disclosure here, uh, ebid to pay is one of our software partners here at procurementsoftware.site. And if you want to learn more about them, you can reach out to me directly as well. And we're back with another interview from Procurement Summit. And this time we're going to be talking about what everyone's talking about, and that is AI-driven chat and content. And to do this, I am here together with Christoph Kunel from CrowdFox. And we're going to talk about something innovative that they've developed to integrate GPT into their software platform called Cure GPT. So Christoph, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, I mean... ChatGPT is something that like is kind of revolutionizing everything. Uh, so large language models is a huge buzz topic, like a hype topic, like I haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, so what I what I think is um, it will take some time until like the procurement space is finally ready for something like a large language model. This will take quite some time, uh, but nonetheless, everybody's talking about it, and we have prepared a little prototype to to demo here. And actually, did demo in the masterclass here. Uh, at the procurement summit, so very happy to talk about it. So, just to put this into a bit, a little bit of context, just briefly, very quickly, explain what CrowdFox does as a concept, and then that will hopefully allow anyone that's listening to this to understand how this could potentially be deployed into the into the solution. Okay, so we as CrowdFox, we're focusing on the indirect uh, spend and optimizing um, finding catalog items. So. Um, items that uh, can be matched against one another. So what we do as CrowdFox in a nutshell is pretty much uh, we consume all the catalog and product data coming from a customer. So with uh, negotiated prices and specific uh, specific product groups and, and products, uh, we match them against one another with our UTIN technology. And therefore, then we can say, okay, specific items or whatever, maybe in the headset, uh, this specific headset is available at five to, coming from five different sources that might be marketplaces, that might be catalogs. And I can compare them at a glance. So I can say, okay, because it was matched using CrowdFox technology, I can say, okay, the headset is available from a marketplace, from two other suppliers that I already have, uh, and therefore like optimize, um, yeah, the, get the full transparency across multiple buying channels or mu- multiple sources, uh, and therefore also help the user find the best product for the best price available or the best delivery time available in the shortest amount of time. So you're essentially a consolidator of all of the different web shops that that a company that a, that a buying company may have concluded agreements with, and and like you said, if there's one product that's available in several of those, then instead of the user just going to his or her preferred web shop, they would go to CrowdFox, and that will automatically seek out the best either price or delivery time, depending on what what's important for the requisitioner. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and also with, we're thinking about, uh, if we think about like uh, ESG, for example, um, obviously like price and delivery time are currently the drivers behind the decision for a specific supplier um, and say, okay, I want to purchase this item from a specific supplier. But it might also be that in the future, uh, we will be talking about carbon footprint and say, okay, I might be buying another product because it has the same use case, but it has less of a carbon footprint. Because I mean, ESG, everybody has some goals to, to get climate neutral. Uh, so that's also something that we will be focusing in the future, but not right now, because the data is still very, yeah. I would say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So typically then, what sort of size of customer is generally going to be your target market? Um, usually we focus on, on large, uh, corporations, very large corporations with, with a relevant or with a bigger spend in the indirect department. In indirect. In indirect. Okay. So often then, so spare parts and then also like service driven companies as well that have a lot of like IT and marketing and facilities. Yeah, exactly. And it also like it needs to have a, have, needs to have a few catalogs available. If there's only a customer who has like one for the IT, one for MRO, and one for other departments or that other products, sense, yeah. it doesn't really make sense because there's no like currently our customers struggle or before CrowdFox they struggle. Um, they might have perfectly negotiated prices, but they might even struggle to find the right prices in the procurement system yeah. because like the search is not consolidating any of them. I might be finding if I'm finding something on the first search result page, I'll just be buying it. I don't care about it not my own money. I'm not taking the effort to actually compare those. Yeah, so just the fact that they're complying and using the catalog, but they're not necessarily using the best web shop or the best price or the best conditions. Got it. So a company needs to be of a certain size to have multiple catalogs potentially for similar product groups. So where does the chatbot then come into this? Is it around the whole guided buying process or is it around making the user interface and user experience smoother for the for the requisition? How, how do you integrate that and what does it do? Um, I mean, right now there's like a big challenge when it comes to searching for the right item or searching for the first specific product because I need to know what I'm looking for. I mean, Google has really, I mean, each and every one of us has learned how to Google. Yeah. I, mean, I might be having like a very abstract problem in my head and I need to be able to understand the most relevant one, two, maybe three keywords to actually form a search on Google. Otherwise, I might be seeing, okay, the first three, four, five results in Google are not really what I'm looking for. So my, my keywords, which I've put in, might be wrong. And now ChatGPT is changing everything because I can communicate my problem like proper language and not having to abstract it into keywords. And that's something that we have taken into account as well um, because the user might just be uh, handing in the free text order saying, I, I have... Problem might be, uh, I have a, a design thinking workshop coming up next week. I've never done something similar. What is the, what are the products that I need to actually use? Ah, workshop. So instead of them searching for keywords or, or instead of searching for a particular product name, they can input then a problem. So a little bit like I'm coming to a trade show for the first time with an exhibition stand. Can you give me a list of what I need to buy and where I should buy it? Yeah, exactly. Because I might not even be knowing that I need some chairs there as well, because I've never been there. So I might be having a complex problem, but then our Procure, uh, procure GPT is breaking it down into Sigma products and then suggesting me, you might be needing this, this, this and that. Um, and then helping me solve a problem, which would then otherwise without Procure GPT probably be a free text order. And somebody else needs to take care of it. Then the process is really a struggle. I need to go back and forth. How many people are there on the exhibition? Like, how many chairs do you need? How long are you going to be there? 
Um, so that's something uh, where like a large language model helps because it just understands the context. And there's so much knowledge in the back of it that it can then, yeah, suggest you the, the proper or the right items for your... So if I paraphrase that, then the the key sort of selling points of this is that in, it enables more self-service from the re- requisitioner so that yep. in the best case, then a procurement professional wouldn't necessarily have to touch something that that previously they may have to get involved because the description or the scope is is much too vague for them to go out and purchase it themselves through a catalog. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I mean, if we think about it, like um, in a very deep integration, so like not available like right now, but think a couple of years ahead, like a procure GPT or other artificial intelligence tools might be implemented very deeply into your system. And it might know that you go into a trade show in two weeks and he's asking you in advance, did you already think about those those things? Um, or I know you have a workshop coming up. Did you think about ordering some cake for that? Because it's six hours and the people need something to eat. So it yeah. might be like currently right now in the, in the current state of business, um, like personal assistance is only for the, for the executives because it's very expensive that somebody is taking care of what you might need and thinking in advance about your calendar, what you have coming up and stuff like that. I mean, that's something that's, that's currently not available in ProcureGPT, but something that we're thinking about. Because right now, I would have to say, I got a workshop coming up next week. Then ProcureGPT might ask me how many people are attending, uh, how long is the workshop, do you already have a whiteboard, or do we need to order a new one, uh, and stuff like that. Because, but in the, in the future, I will be knowing my ordering history, and I know that you already bought a whiteboard six, uh, whiteboard six weeks ago. So you probably don't need a new one. But nonetheless, you will be helping you find the items for problems that you're having in your day-to-day. Got it. So a similar concept to uh, the, these intelligent widgets that washing powder manufacturers are building in now that it reorders the product on, on an e-commerce site when you get below a certain level. It's, uh, it's almost like an automatic replenishment or an automatic brain to think, you've got this in your calendar, you may need to buy these products or these services to pay yourself for it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, that's also something like, Potentially in the future, but right now it's more focusing on, I do have a problem coming up. How can I solve it with catalog items or services? Got it. Intriguing to see how it's going to be developing this whole large language models and suggestive, uh, su- su- suggestive purchasing patterns based on prior analytics and, and, and calendars and schedules. It's, uh, it's the future, isn't it? Christoph, been great talking to you and lovely to hear about what you're working on and interesting to see how it develops. So thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for having us. So the interview with Christoph wrapped up day one at Procurement Summit. And then moving on to day two, bright and early into my VW Camper ProcureTech podcast studio on the floor at the exhibition uh, was Robert Kaiser from Tacto. Uh, Tacto is based in Munich and they are a procurement management platform for smaller and mid-sized businesses. And we tackle the, t- the topic of how technology, or in this case, Tacto, can help SMEs to navigate the challenges of complying with sustainability legislation, and especially some of the reporting requirements and statistics that are being asked of them by their somewhat larger end customers. And we're kicking off day two of Procurement Summit, the live interview sessions, this time with a procurement management platform for mid-sized businesses, which is something that I often bang on about, that it's really, really important that smaller and medium-sized businesses get access to affordable technology to manage their procurement. So 
Uh, I'm joined by Robert Kaiser from Tacto, and we're going to be talking a little bit about how can mid-sized businesses get to grips with just the avalanche of bureaucracy that is coming towards them with the new supply chain law in Germany where Tacto is, uh, is present, but also just ESG themes in general. You know, it's easy for large corporates to do this because they have the resources, but mid-sized businesses are going to have to grapple with this too. So we're going to dig into that theme a little bit. So Robert, very warm welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, good morning, James. Good morning to everyone listening. Uh, yeah, I'm really delighted uh, to be here and also to talk a little bit about sustainability, which is part of what we do at Tacto. Uh, it embeds in like a yeah more holistic uh, suite that we have for SMEs. Um, so our target group is between or doing between uh, 10 million of revenues up to 1.5 billion. Um, so those companies are somehow very different, but all of them are united in that they uh, have in like revenue in this uh, span and also that they're all of them are producing manufacturing companies. Uh, so we have companies from machinery manufacturing, from, from yeah, different chemical um, backgrounds. Um, we have um, packaging companies, uh, medical companies. So basically everybody that produces something and somehow uh, can become our customer and gets value out of Tacto. And yeah, and just just for anyone that's listening, that's that's dollars or euro in terms of the number, in terms of the revenue numbers. Doesn't really matter these days anymore, yeah. <laughs> But definitely not pesos. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're pretty versatile then in terms of the industry sectors that you cover. But I guess sustainability themes are going to impact everyone, including even you know services businesses as well. Although that's not your your target market. So how do you manage that digitally, and how do you uh, how have you developed that into your platform to enable these mid sized companies to be able to structure and, and, and store and, and, and question their suppliers in one central platform without, without it costing them a fortune in, uh, in cost to do that or also, you know, that they don't have to take up a lot of manual resource to do it. Because, you know, most, most procurement teams generally are quite thin on the ground these days, but even more so in these smaller and medium-sized businesses, they're, they're really under pressure with all of the supply chain challenges that they've got as well. So I think there are different angles from which we can help the companies to achieve something in terms of sustainability. So the first thing is that we can re- relieve um, our, uh, our um, basically just the, the companies that work with us, uh, the um, procurement departments, by just like providing them something that helps them with the administrative purposes. And that relieves time, that frees up time that they can then use for more strategic purposes. And one of that can be sustainability. And so what we can do is for example, if we start with onboarding of suppliers that we can send out the SSAs via our platform uh, that like saves time to them because they do not have to send them out via email anymore. I think the basis for starting everything that's more strategic for also developing a sustainable procurement and a sustainable company basically is to uh, nail the crowns and to lay the groundwork um, to be able to measure everything, to have all the data at one place and then you can start to develop um, something into the direction of sustainability. And that for us can mean um, that you can, for example, um, request certificates from the suppliers that you work with, only suppliers that have certain certificates, that you can then store them in our platform, that you can uh, see when they expire and react to that. And then also, of course, go deeper into that, develop meshes with some suppliers, for example, that they can become carbon neutral and some um, yeah, time span but this is something that, of course, everybody can do, but you need a tool to track it and to also align on the goals with your suppliers and to 
track all the steps there and, and basically take the notes there that your supplier also provide the information there, um, agree on some certificates that they should acquire. And that's one thing where Tacto can currently help. And then of course, also if you, um, talk about supplier evaluations, that ESG criteria, that they play a bigger role there and that this is included in your supplier evaluation. So that's basically a starting point. And from there, we can build up on it and develop in some different directions. For example, CO2 tracking that you um, send out CO2 trackings to your, to your suppliers in order to be able to measure how much CO2 they are producing to deliver your goods in the end. So it's really then about establishing that single source of truth to have all of your documents. So as you've not got you know, your suppliers' bank data in one system and your suppliers' yeah. uh, certi- uh, certification in another yeah. system and then you know, audit results yeah. and due diligence in another. It's really about, and you know, we talk about this a lot on the show, but we're all about data, but it's just having that, and especially for smaller businesses, it's having that single source of truth yeah. somewhere that's easy to use, easy to access, has a nice front end. So as you're not fiddling around on SharePoint or in an ERP system trying to figure out, you know, where all of this data is. You know, and I guess, Robert, COVID showed us, right, that if you've got data in your ERP system and you need to urgently contact a supplier, <laughs> the data is usually bad yeah. because, it's, because it's either managed by accounts payable or it's, uh, or it's been managed by, um, by, by the stakeholder that, that is responsible for the day-to-day management of the supplier. But you know, those, those data, those types of data are often not the right contra, uh, contacts and type of data that procurement would typically need to pull in from a supplier when they have an emergency or when they have a, legisl- yeah. a legislative requirement, for example, like all of this ERG, ESG stuff that's coming our way. So yeah, single source of truth for mid-sized businesses. Walk us through it. So you've got the supplier intake module, you've got the opportunity to store all of the supplier certification, audit data, minutes, meetings, that type of thing. What, what else does TACTO do? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe to come back to your point, um, what you said at the beginning, that you basically need one single source of truth. I think that's very true for the, mid, uh, for the SMEs, Mittelstand in Germany. I guess like Mittelstand is not for point solutions. I think that's very important. Uh, you don't want to have, if, you're, if you have a procurement department of like five to 10 people, you do not want to have four different uh, solutions, one for LKSG, one for yeah, your certificates, uh, one for contacting your suppliers for RFQs. So you want to have everything at one platform and that platform should be separate from the ERP system, but those two systems should communicate. And then, uh, yeah, what, what else do we do at Tacto? Um, so Tacto is one suite where we can basically have the whole intersection to the supplier. Um, so we can... Um, to do all the communication with the supplier, which means we can have a SR, like we have a SRM module where you can onboard suppliers, where you can request request any certificates from them, um, where you can have the whole communication with them. We have another tool which is about RFPs, so we can um, automatically send out RFPs to a mass of suppliers. So to, um, for example, one a list of suppliers that um, yeah, procure, or is like uh, for procuring um, one special um, article or one good. Um, so you can send that on one click and also you get a overview of all your offers that you received from the suppliers. So that's our RFQ module. Uh, we also have a analytics module where you basically can analyze all the categories, um, provide a starting point where to negotiate, where you, we can see like how are the raw material prices developing compared to what you actually pay 
And that, of course, indicates where you should renegotiate with, with your supplier. Um, we also help our companies in terms of um, operative procurement where you can digitize um, all sorts of order confirmations, for example, and that they do not have to like, open them manually anymore and compare them to their orders in the end. Because what we see that in some companies, this takes one full day or like one full person to just like process order confirmations. Yeah. And that I think is just like horrible. <laughs> so, so really then what, what, what I guess what we're trying to get across here is then that you'd need in a small, medium sized business, you would need something like a tacto to do, to, to do all of what Robert just described. And then really you only need a procure to pay system on top of that to be able to do, to be able to do all of your, your operational purchasing and, and, and payments. So if you're, I think the message is if you're trying to manage procurement outside of ERP, and you know, I think all of us as procurement professionals don't particularly like ERP systems, other, other than the niche specific solutions, you can more or less do it with two platforms, I think is what we're saying. So really interesting, Robert, great to talk to you and to understand a little bit more about what you're doing to make life easier for small and medium-sized businesses, especially in, in Germany and the surrounding countries. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It was a great time. And staying on the topic of digital procurement for SMEs, and last but not least, is my interview with Bettina Fischer. Bettina is founder and CEO of e-procurement and source-to-play platform HiveBuy, based in Berlin. Uh, and our conversation looks at getting up and running very quickly when it comes to integration, even with an ERP system, which, as she explains, can now be done in hours and days rather than weeks and months. And as anyone who knows me and has, has followed me on LinkedIn or listened to some of the episodes that I've done previously knows, I'm a big advocate of speed of implementation and ease of use. So Bettina, over to you. And we're back with another one of our live interviews here at the Procurement Summit. And this time I'm joined by Bettina Fischer, uh, founder and CEO of Hivebuy in Berlin. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, yeah, source-to-pay e-procurement for small and medium-sized companies. It's something that I've heard a lot of when I've been at this conference just the past two days, that it is a topic that is being discussed about now. And it's, it is no longer the buzz around all of these enterprise software solutions. And when you walk around the hall, a lot of these big sponsored booths are pretty empty, whereas you know some of the smaller, more innovative startups are getting real conversations and strong leads. So uh, it was really, uh, really insightful to hear that. So Bettina, welcome to the show. Hey, James. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about the problem. Um, typically, I mean, you come from finance originally. What drove you then to, to go into procurement software, looking at it from a finance person's point of view? Yeah, so actually, um, I used to do SAP or ERP implementations and also finance process optimizations for bigger companies as Zalando and Lidl and so on. And back in the days, it was always the same thing. No one liked finance because they were always complaining about where's the invoice, that's not a budget and these kind of things. And when I, when I left Zalando, I was like, there's no tool which is kind of, um, helping mid-sized companies solving this because you just have in my in my view, you you just had in the um, European region the bigger solutions, as you already mentioned, and we wanted to build with HiveBuy a pretty slim and easy to use seamless integrate uh, with the seamless integration a tool a 
So obviously now there is more competition out there and there are companies that are doing, that are doing similar stuff. I think the biggest problem is just you, you hit on it. Nobody really knows who they are and what they do. So in that marketplace, how do you differentiate yourselves or how do you get your message out there? Because, you know, that's one of the reasons that led me to create procurementsoftware.site is that a lot of the time it's not that the solutions don't exist. It's just that the potential buyer doesn't really know that they're out there. And you know, part of it is the software company's fault as well sometimes that their websites are so cryptic. But what do you do to differentiate yourself? So um, our USP is definitely that we are so fast, easy to integrate, and it takes us to set up Hidefire for a bigger company with around 1,000 users in, I would say, two hours. And this is actually the, the biggest selling point for procurement because they are done with direct procurement system implementation. They did it for months and they are kind of, so they know that change management is really um, a big pressure uh, for the organization. And so they're really actively looking for easy to integrate, easy software. So digitalizing in two hours sounds very ambitious and optimistic. How do you do that? Because, I mean, I'm guessing you're not integrating into ERP within that time. We do. Actually, we do. Um, so we have a, um, we're working with an integration platform here that makes it possible for us to just um, enter some keys and so on and then works pretty nicely. We also have, as we are in Germany, a DATEV integration, which is the accounting system in Germany. And um, with this integration, we, it took us like six months to build it but now we're able to integrate within 30 seconds. Wow. So for anyone that says you need weeks and months to integrate into an ERP system, you're countering that and just saying it's simply not true. Fantastic. I love to hear these stories because there are all of these fairy tales that go around that you know you, you need months to integrate into ERP and you need an army of consultants or, uh, or IT specialists to do it, but your evidence to the contrary. So is that often... Does it, does it take you often quite a lot of convincing for a potential customer that you can do that? Oh, yes. Uh, actually, they, they don't believe us. <laughs> so um, what we're doing here is that we, we did a lot of videos and uh, uh, we, we tried to, to build a lot of proof and um, to show it to them. And now, slightly, we see that they start to believe us because we got good references in this. That's a really cool story. So what we're thinking, mid, the mid-sized market is pretty big space right now, very, very green field, even though there is increasing competition out there. If you could bake, you know, a typical perfect customer, what, what would they look like in terms of industry sector, business size? I would say from an industry point of view, we don't have an ICP, so no perfect customer profile here. But um, for us, it's a company that has at the beginning nothing. So maybe they, they are ordering everything over Amazon business and so on. And now they see that they also want to have a procurement process for their services and so on. and I would say uh, companies that start to see that the spend needs to be handled somehow and yeah, not really the industry. So I guess from that, the way that you've described it, you're getting a lot of tech companies that are coming in as well, a lot of startups, a lot of scale-ups that are in the tech space. Definitely, but also a lot of um, production in uh, companies because they focused in the last couple of years on the optimization of their direct procurement. And now they have the time for the interact procurement. And actually, they, they, they have really the funniest processes. And they realize that the solution that they've put in place for direct spend doesn't really work for indirect. 
Yeah, interesting. Okay, Bettina, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for catching up. And uh, yeah, wishing you rest of a uh, successful rest of your procurement uh, summit. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. So that rounds up the interviews that we did at Procurement Summit with our procurement technology friends and software solutions providers. The next follow-up episode from Procurement Summit will go live in two weeks' time, as I mentioned, that covers interviews that I did with procurement practitioners talking about their digitization journey. Just a quick one before we sign off, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help us to reach more people. And I am very, very appreciative of any good positive press and word of mouth referrals that we can get. Until then, take care wherever you are in the world and bye for now. (music) 